0: Hey, Vince McMahon, it's time for this week's Stick to Wrestling podcast. Oh, no, give me a break.
1: Oh, brother. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Stick to Wrestling. My name is John McAdam. This is the Stick to Wrestling podcast, where if you give us 60 minutes, perhaps indeed, we'll give you a wicked good and raw bone podcast. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to follow me on Twitter. Just put in the name John McAdam and follow the guy with the Stick to Wrestling logo in his avatar. I want more Twitter followers. Come on, people. And if you want to join our Facebook group, there are photos, our wrestling, classic wrestling ratings, results, good conversation. Just uh, search Stick to Wrestling in Facebook and join draw, join right in. We'll take you. Also, if you'd like to donate to Stick to Wrestling, uh, it is an ad free podcast. It is a completely free podcast. If you just want to say thank you, it's prowrestlingarchives at gmail.com uh, and you use PayPal. So it's that simple. Before I get rolling on this show, I want to bring on our occasional, usual, sometimes co host, Steve Generelli. Steve, how are you doing?
2: Hey, John. It's great to be back and uh, doing well and uh, great to be here. All right. And returning for for the first time in a while to stick to wrestling, I think you were last on
1: September 2022. Brendan Hefner. Brendan, thank you for coming on.
3: Thanks, John. Always a good time. Uh, It's good to be invited again. And it was September. I I checked Ah, uh, last night. Okay. Dead on.
1: All right. So, yeah, you know, then uh, well, stick to wrestling is what it sounds like. Just me and uh, one or two of my friends hanging out and talking wrestling. I wanted to throw out a quick shout out to Chris Tabar, who kind of inspired what this show is going to be about. We recently passed the 40th anniversary of the world-class championship wrestling Star Wars from June 17th, 1983. Uh, Chris got on the group, that the Facebook group that I was talking about, and said he was absolutely disgusted by the finish of the main event and we'll talk more about that. I, at the time, was completely turned off by the finish, but we'll talk about it. Both shows are on Peacock. Uh, I believe it's the the last show in June and then July 6th. You can watch it on Peacock. And there are two matches that weren't broadcast on World Class but were televised in Japan that are available on YouTube. I have already provided those links on the Facebook page. Uh, One thing I want to say, this is going to be almost a Michael Hayes tribute show with Brandon. He was phenomenal at this time.
3: He really was. uh, I mean, he was amazing in Georgia and just kind of you know even got better to me in in world class and it, a couple of the clips at least the one that you sent uh him being you can feel his terror that uh a Bruiser Bruiser Brody is going to be the uh, mystery partner of Kerry so yeah he was he was great at this time and they all were um just and buddy was so seasoned too but Michael's fantastic
1: he he really is Michael Hayes is a kind of a polarizing figure which surprises me a little bit because when he was in mid-south in 1980 and then Georgia 80 81 and then again in 82 as a babyface, and then world-class in 83 and 84 I thought he was phenomenal he took maybe a little bit of a step back like when he was in the AWA and then mid-south or UWF in 86 87 and then 89. Steve, I just thought he fell off a cliff. He won the United States title from Lex Luger, held it for about three weeks. And when he lost it, it almost felt like he gave up on the business.
2: Yeah, his team with him and Garvin—that version of the Freebirds—is pretty forgettable. I mean, the first time I had ever really seen him on a regular basis, other than that little blip of a WWF run, was his time as JR's sidekick on the UWF broadcast, and he—he he was phenomenal as a you know heel announcer and kind of a, a main antagonist on the show. I thought he was great, uh, but yeah, by by the end of. Um, wcw in the end of the 80s yeah he was there in in body but uh not really an integral part of the show
1: no and the Freebirds had been uh i mean downsized from you know this this faction that you could almost see feuding with the four horsemen which would have been fun to just another tag team of jimmy jimmy garvin and michael hayes and i think if you saw michael hayes for the first time in 1990 or 1991 you're like okay i don't see anything in this guy he's this david lee roth wannabe and david lee roth was yesterday's news but he was both roth and hayes were really hot in the 80s
3: he fell off the cliff so fast from super cool to just like your dad within (laughs) to me it seemed like you know months or, or weeks it was it was insane um just i mean super cool to to not really, really fast. I
1: mean, I remember summer of 89 just wondering what has happened to Michael Hayes. He does the same interview every time out, but let's focus on the good stuff uh, for review purposes only. Ha ha ha. Let's hear from Michael Hayes, World Class Championship Wrestling, coming into the Star Wars event.
4: What are you trying to do? Keep them from challenging you for the American Championship? Is this how Texas... drives on his pride.
5: Look, I'm telling you, Kerry Von Erich, you cannot find nobody. Your old man, both of your brothers are tied up in reunion. There's nobody that's got the guts to beat us for the American Tag Team Title. I'm gonna. I almost had it finished off here. He can't find a partner, man. What?
6: What were you trying to do, injury, so he wouldn't come in against you? This is all I can say to you, boy. The battle is over because all this mystery gaga that you've been going around talking about, we know what it is. You can't find a man. Kerry Von Eck, call it quits. You're not the All-American Texas boy. All right.
4: We got to go back. We got to get back to world-class him. action. Yeah, we'll be right back with more.
1: So at this point, Kerry Von Erich has announced that he has a mystery partner coming in to face the Freebirds on Star Wars. And I always like this in pro wrestling, Steve. It, it's just the way it goes. Kerry, like the, the heel has to say he doesn't have a partner. <laughs> yeah. Every single time.
2: Well, when we, we saw it was Brody, Brody did this uh interview and and just you know again I wasn't there at the time this I'm watching this 30 years 40 years later uh, but just to see the the uh, chemistry and the uh, charisma of Brody and Kerry Von Eric these two uh larger than life uh, superheroes teaming up together against this really nefarious group the freebirds i mean uh, it, it was very compelling i was i was hooked into it
1: i i absolutely have to send kind of a love letter to world class championship wrestling i mean it had its weaknesses but it definitely had its strengths and we got world class championship wrestling up here starting the very beginning of 83 and i, I couldn't believe how good it was i mean You know, WWF had like two or three main events every year. This promotion had two or three main events every week. They showed you the the best stuff. They showed you the the Star Wars show from Reunion Arena. They showed you the the Texas Stadium show from the year before. Brenda, did you get world-class where you lived?
3: I did. Um, I was kind of talking to them uh, about it uh, before we came on. I think it was September of 82. Um, we got a new station out of Cape Girardeau, Missouri, in southern Illinois. And um, I guess, you know, because the new shows kind of in, in at that time of year, so we started getting it. And I obviously knew about it from the magazines. I knew about uh, Brody and the Von Ericks from watching St. Louis every week so I was really excited to get it and it was great. I mean the production values were awesome and just the fact that they showed their their big arena cards kind of kind of blew me away.
1: Yeah. I mean, they would, they would never consider doing something like that in the World Wrestling Federation. And I mean, even when I was getting Florida in Mid South, they would occasionally have, you know, a big match on TV, but never a, like a world championship match. Forget it. I I mean, Steve, you know, your thoughts on the promotion in general.
2: Well, uh, watching this show, the Star Wars show, it, to me, it was like watching an an early, early version of, say, Saturday Night's main event or Clash of the Champions, but with a you know world class spin on it. And uh, and I will admit that I, I'm kind of an interesting case because I'm really watching all of this in reverse because I think the first really serious amount of world class I saw was in '86, and I think that's when it was transitioning from. Rick Rude and Bruiser Brody over to when the Black Part became champion. So they're going into kind of a low spell. And then as then the years on ESPN would keep going, I mean, we'd get into the USWA stuff. and so But now I'm seeing this peak period stuff in the uh, early 80s. And it's, it's so different and it's really compelling because you have – Ah, uh, the von Erich family at their peak, and the the heel factions like uh, the Freebirds at their peak.
1: I mean, it was it was the perfect natural feud. Uh, These three guys against those three guys. The Freebirds, you know, Buddy Roberts left at the the end of 1981. I figured he had retired uh, because he was nowhere to be found anywhere in 1982. He was retired. I mean, he talked about coming out of retirement in late 82 and and going to a drugstore and buying hair dye. And finally, you know, coming out of retirement after the cage match angle. Here's another reason why you should join the Facebook group. Mark Beaudry asks an excellent question. Okay. What if world class championship wrestling had the spot on USA Network at this time instead of Southwest Championship Wrestling? Steve, do you have any, have any thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, I, I think I'm more of a fan of the uh, Joe Blanchard promotion than you are, John. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that promotion, Southwest, it had a lot of the good stuff in wrestling that I think we like. It had a lot of crazy characters. You had uh, you had the Iron Sheik, you had Bob Sweetan, you had uh, uh, Scott Casey was like a main babyface. Uh, you had a lot of the crazy stuff going on. But watching this Star Wars over the last few days. I mean this was much more major league as far as presentation wise and a much higher caliber of talent so I think I think it would have probably caught on I don't know if it would have caught on to the level the WWF eventually would but I think it would have been definitely something the fans would have enjoyed
1: You know, I want to make it clear, too, I liked Southwest Championship Wrestling when it was on USA Network and I was home. I watched it every Sunday. It's just, you know, it, it definitely had its flaws, though, especially production wise. Brandon, any thoughts on
3: the question for Mark? I, you know, I'm kind of like you. I, I definitely liked it because, uh, you know, I'm a fan of the blood. So it seemed like there was always good, good, good bloody stuff on there almost every week. You had the Tully uh, Gino breakup, which was great. Um, the Tully uh, beating the hell out of uh, Eric Embry angle was pretty damn good. You know, I think. Um, WCCW kind of got, you know, they were sort of national anyway. It seemed like they were on everywhere, um, being on up, you know, in in Boston and other places. So it's just it's so hard to say with the juggernaut that that Vince had whether, you know, whether it would have done as as well, but I certainly would have watched it for sure because at that point I was I was even watching ICW, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: I definitely, if I, you know, I never thought of it until Mark asked the question. So we're talking like 40 years later, but if I'm running things at world class, like I approach some of these low level cable stations. I mean, USA Network was, it it wasn't what it was uh, today or even 25 years ago. It was kind of a junk channel, to be honest with you. I mean, they were showing cartoons from the 60s on Sunday morning before the, before the wrestling came on. So if I'm, you know, world class, I'm like, look, you know, we have this, highly uh, produced, you know, I mean, they're using the same production facilities as the NBA's Dallas Mavericks. I'm like, you know, make this a primetime show. I mean, it's better than what you're airing now. But anyway, great question, Mark. Thank you for that. Let's hear more audio from Bill Mercer and the fabulous Freebirds I thought this was an incredible piece. The Freebirds are at the pool together, the same pool we always saw at World Class Championship Wrestling, which was the Von Erichs pool, but we're going to ignore that for now. Let's hear from the Freebirds and Bill Mercer.
4: It's been quite some time since I've been invited any place by the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy. I well, it's thank no you very much for that last place you took us to eat. I thought you invited me there.
5: Yeah, well, if you had the money like we do to have a secretary, then you'd have somebody responsible enough to take your appointments.
4: I see, well, it was a nice place you have. You
5: yeah, see. well, thank you very much. Money buys things and as people know we're the world champions along with the American Tag Team Champions, which means we make money which means we buy things such as this.
4: So the American Tag Team Championship. Now, this is, of course, uh, coming up at Reunion Arena, and that's going to be... Well, buddy, wait, before you leave. I, I didn't know you were going to oh, dive hey, off. Hey, I want still... to talk to him just a second about the... I'm so tired of know... your face always interrupting me. I know. I've been down here a little bit. We just... The scissors, you now, I understand, have been, you know, they have been banned. <laughs> scissors have done a lot, you see. But
5: scissors cut hair, but...
4: That's, that's Iceman's hair, right?
5: This is Iceman's hair. I'm not talking about
4: scissors anymore. I know you got a cream now. We
5: have a Freebird special cream that when you put it on your head, you not only lose hair, but you might lose your whole face.
4: face off.
5: <laughs> yeah, right. You know what I mean. Anyways, Iceman, I got you in your reunion arena for the big one. And I'll tell you what, I've been around a long time. I know I can beat you. This is why I signed for this match. And it's going to give me great pleasure. After I finish defeating you in the middle of the ring in front of all those people, it's going to give me great pleasure to put the cream on your face, on your hair, and you're going to be as bald as a billiard ball, baby. And, you know, maybe you just deserve it. Don't feel guilty about it. Do not feel guilty.
4: You do it. Okay?
5: Enough said. I'll be happy. All
4: right. Buddy's going to be happy with the nair. This is sort of a a cream sort of thing that takes hair off. Listen uh, uh, terry let me talk to you about the american tag team championship at reunion the wait, wait. hair matches at reunion you get
6: into that since you got the cameras out here and yeah. since you took the time to come out here i'd just like to take this time to say hello to my mother and uh, i'm sure mike would like to say hello to his mother and we would like to thank them for doing such a great job with the freebirds i mean and about the mystery man all I know is this it better be a good man. He better be a prime athlete to step in the ring with the Freebirds because after, you know, we get through with him, then there's a whole lot of other stuff we got to take care of. Yes. Are you leaving? Right now, I got to go watch Buddy. The, can he swim?
4: That's no, he's not he's not, not so a very good, good swimmer. Women. You're not as swimming today. The mystery,
5: the mystery you know, man with Carolina. This, this sort of puzzles me. You know, first of all, he had Chavo Guerrero as a partner. We put him out of action. Then he was going to have Johnny Rich and Kamala eat his lunch. You know, really broke my heart. And now he doesn't is it possible that maybe he doesn't have a partner yet? No, I think it uh, so maybe he can't find somebody to face the Freebirds. How many of your friends are you going to ask every time I got to get one of these tickets to fly in here and beat you up and ask a friend to stand by you? I know your brothers can't cuz one's wrestling the world champion. The other one is going to get beat up by Jimmy Garvin in front of thousands of people in front of the biggest card in wrestling. And he hasn't Found a, it can't be Andre the Giant. He's going to be in Puerto Rico. Dusty Rhodes is too fat. It doesn't matter who you've got, boy. We're going to get you. Your tab's running out. The Freebirds rule Texas. Don't forget it. We
4: also rule the world. American Tag Team Champions, the Freebirds. You know what makes me
5: what? mad what? about it? What? His father won't even come out of retirement to help him. Your own father, boy, when are you going to wake up? Why do you think I've been calling you stupid? Look, man, I'm a human being at the same time. I'm going to give you a warning. You look in my eyes.
4: Don't show up reunion. Okay, American Tag Team Championship, I just say. Kerry Von is going to have a mystery partner. And the Iceman and Buddy Roberts in the hair match with the cream. Well, it's nice to be invited out here by the Freebirds. It's a pretty place. And swimming, it's nice to be invited.
1: This segment aired like mid-June, 1983. It's on Peacock. The audio does not do it justice. It is too funny. Buddy Roberts is wearing a cap sideways. It's his Freebirds softball. He's wearing his wrestling trunks while going swimming. Terry Gordy does this incredible back dive flip into the water. A guy that size can do that, and then they just beach Bill Mercer. They just like leave him there. It, it's fantastic. Steve, your your thoughts on this whole thing?
2: Well, um, (laughs) it just amazes me that uh, 20 years before this, Bill Mercer covered the JFK assassination in Dallas, and I I think he's still alive today. I think he's in his early 90s, if I'm correct. He
1: is still alive, and he – actually, I think he did radio for the Ice Bowl, the Green Bay Packers versus Dallas Cowboys game. Dusty – it can't be Dusty Rhodes because he's too fat, Brandon.
3: Yeah, that was pretty uh, pretty brutal. But i got to say one thing. I watched that clip yesterday for the first time, I think, since it aired. And it's a real quick thing in the audio. When Mercer tells him to bend down there, he does that because Buddy is standing on the diving board, basically with his junk right in Mercer's face. <laughs> so he's just like, you yeah. know. Been been down here a little, so and, and he does, but but um, yeah, that that whole segment was was so good and and hilarious, and Bill never you know cracks his cracks a smile or just a perfect kind of perfect straight man for for it all. So
1: perfect straight man, and then Buddy, it's like he can't wait to get into the water. He he's just like jumping at the bit, and then Terry goes, "Now nah, I gotta leave. I gotta go watch Buddy." And Bill goes, "Can he swim?"
3: <laughs> yeah can he not swim and you mentioned his si- uh, sideways cap you know for 83 i don't remember people wearing their cap sideways then maybe maybe in the hip-hop world they were beginning to do that but that uh that stuck out to me as well
1: no that was that was way out of order for 1983 the, the whole segment was was phenomenal and i i encourage everyone to watch it it is on peacock then we find out michael hayes finds out who the partner is and michael's none too happy so once again for review purposes let's go go to some audio with michael hayes
0: that's right Ermongo, my
6: personal bodyguard nobody what's wrong devastation incorporated are you yellow if you're yellow just say it
4: what? What's bothering you, Michael? I don't believe you're out. Why are you out here telling people? Lies? I just—I not by you, you mean about the partner of Kerry? Yeah,
6: no. It—it
4: it, it was just told to me just after that feature ran that Kerry told me it was Bruiser Brody. No, man. No, no. They can't. You know Bruiser Brody. No. no hey, hey, hey. Wait a minute. I told you. I've
5: checked on these things, man. He's in Japan. He's to fly from Japan in one day, two no, days. No, no. Hey, I told you. Andre's not gonna be around. He's in Puerto Rico. I've checked on all these kind of people, man. Hey, it's a lie, man. It's got it's, it's gotta be a lie. It, well, it, can't, it can't be. I'm sorry, but it, for your sake, it is the truth. No, man. No, Bruiser on, Brody. Check that! It is the truth. No, there's no way Brody wouldn't do that, man. Do you he's, want to? Con- he's, in, how's he going? he's in Japan. Do you want to continue the match? No, I'm going. No, I'm going right now to make a call. I'm going right now to make a call because I've got to prove that Von Eric can't get nobody.
4: It's a lie. It's a fabrication, just like the whole state of Texas. It is the truth.
1: Bruiser Brody is the partner of Kerry Von Erich. We'll be back. Uh, I, I once again I, if you have peacock go watch this the audio does not do it justice michael hayes is in an absolute panic and he's in denial and he, he's like making the greatest facial expressions i mean brandon this is michael hayes at his peak it's gotta be
3: absolutely yeah he was apoplectic as the you might say um, you could see the the terror in his face. And like I said, I just watched it again yesterday and I had forgotten just even from reading the results that Tabe had posted last week or the week before that Brody was going to be the partner. So I was pulled in again, wondering who the hell is it going to be? Because I knew it wasn't Andre. And for some reason, Brody did not come to mind. And um, yeah, he was he was fantastic, and and uh, Brody was a, about the perfect partner for. For Kerry, for this match, for sure.
1: Oh yeah, and you know it was—he was a big enough name. He was a huge name in Texas, and it's funny because we're, we're going to hear some audio from Brody uh, later, either this week or next week. I mean, Brody was completely different in Texas than he was just a few months earlier in Georgia when he was doing his typical Bruiser Brody interview as a wild man, and here he's rather pensive. But so, Steve, what are your thoughts on the big reveal? The 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 mystery partner is going to be Bruiser Brody, Brody,
2: Well, I think you just touched on it. It, It's interesting that here's a guy that is known in in many territories throughout the country and in Japan is this ultimate heel, this ultimate bad guy. But here in world class, because he's formed this bond with the Von Eriks, all of a sudden, he's a major, major fan favorite. And and you can tell when, when the match occurs, Uh, just how over he is. And and that fear of God that uh, Michael Hayes shows on the interview, uh, you can see it in the match. He's just terrified to be in the ring with him and uh, (laughs) you see what happens to him. So it's really interesting.
1: I, I thought the whole thing was great. Usually, mystery partners, mystery opponents—the whole thing—it's usually a giant letdown. Steve, I remember in 1979, I was going to the wrestling matches in North Attleboro, uh, and it was it was advertised Steve Travis against a mystery opponent. The mystery opponent was perennial jobber, Frank the Gypsy Rodriguez. <laughs> On that day, I was 13 years old. I got a little bit smartened up, but you know, Bruiser Brody, once again, he is definitely a, a big enough name. Uh, now let's hear from the main event or the participant in the main event, Kevin Moneric talking about his upcoming title match with Ric Flair for the NWA championship. Let's ke- hear from Kevin. The last time Kevin Von Erich faced Ric Flair in the
4: ring, Kevin pinned Flair in the center of the ring. And for that moment, he had won the World Heavyweight Championship. However, Flair had thrown Kevin over the top rope. And in that match, Kevin had thrown Flair over the top rope twice. And the referee, Bronco Lubich had been injured was lying outside the ring, saw what happened, and he, he then disqualified Kevin Von Erich. And the championship did not change hands. However, in the upcoming bout at Reunion Arena in Dallas, those situations have changed. Now it's legal over the top rope, and Flair can't escape by just getting
7: disqualified. And, Bill, also, this is the first time in wrestling history where a match like this is going to take place. Ric Flair, over and over, I've, I've seen it happen two or three times when he, where he's, he's saved his title by disqualifying himself. This time, he can't do it. And you pinned him. And you know you can do it I'm sure you're confident this time Bill, this is my big chance I, I, I know better than anything in the world This time, I'm going to take Ric Flair And beat him I'm going to be the world heavyweight champion All my little brothers can watch All my little friends, all my fans Folks, it's us together This time, I will be the world heavyweight champion
4: Now Ric Flair said After that match in the dressing room He was humiliated, he was embarrassed You didn't see that Let's go back to that I showed him the finish And here's what Ric Flair had to say all right, here it comes.
6: And I'll tell you what this is right here. This is a conspiracy to humiliate Ric Flair. This is a conspiracy. What is this part right here? This has no right being on film. Now, this is the part where he comes off and pins you. He pins me here. Yes, he does. After he threw me over the top rope, ran my head into a post, caused me to bleed, and it almost ended my... What is this right here? That's two. This is the most humiliating thing that I've ever seen on any national television broadcast anywhere in the world. Nobody believes that. Nobody knows that to be true. He threw me over the top rope. He ran my head in the post. Let me tell you something, Von Eric. You and your old man and your other two brothers have not heard the last of Ric Flair because I'll be back. And when I am, this time I'm going to have a little something going for me.
4: Well, Kevin, Ric Flair says nobody believes that. You believe it, don't you?
7: I'm more than believe it. Hey, I'm glad he's humiliated. I'm glad he's embarrassed. And you you talk about embarrassment and humiliation. You just wait until I walk out of the ring with the world heavyweight champion. The world heavyweight champion. All my brothers are going to be there. My dad's going to be watching. My friends and fans are going to be watching. And I will be the next world heavyweight champion.
4: I guarantee it. And it's coming up at Reunion Arena
1: in Dallas. Kevin Von Erich against Ric Flair, the world heavyweight champion. This has no right being on film, according to Ric Flair. Great line, Steve.
2: Yeah, yeah. Flair, if uh, Flair really at his peak interview here, I mean, he'd go on to do so many great interviews in the Carolinas and on TBS, but. I mean, he was really uh, on on mark here, and uh, and as far as Star Wars goes, I mean, we would end up seeing Harley race against Kevin Von Erich.
1: Yep, the title changed hands six days before this event, uh, and we'll t- we'll talk more about that later. I thought that was a really good babyface interview, Brandon, except for one thing: a ba- Kevin Von Erich a baby face is not supposed to promise slash guarantee things that he can't deliver. And even as a kid, I kind of knew that. And I was like, wow, is the title going to change hands here? Because back then I didn't look at wrestling. as like, okay, we can't have Kevin Von Arapie champion because of ABCD. I thought he could have been, I mean, any thoughts on that?
3: I, I was the same way. I mean, I just turned 13, 13 years old. And I thought it could have happened as as much as anybody else, you know. It was so much funner at times being not smart or not knowing certain things because you truly believed just just about anything could could happen so it wouldn't have seemed out of place at all to to me for that to for that to happen whatsoever no
1: me neither and i agree with you sometimes it is more fun not being quote-unquote smart to the business because you know your your imagination can run wild i mean at the time i thought you know i saw kevin von erich on that level, on the level of a Ric Flair, Nick Bockwinkel, Bob Backlund, etc., he could have been a world heavyweight champion. All right, I promise we're not going to have too much more audio, but once again, let's go to the fabulous Freebirds for review purposes.
4: Interesting night for the Freebirds. Well, you maintain the Brass Ducks championship. Interesting, didn't you? it's the same as always. Here we are in our in the visiting
5: foreground, such as Texas. We still own the world championship six men. We're still the American Tag Champions. He's still the Brass Knuck Champions from knocking out Kerry Von Erick. And the next time you see Iceman, thanks to Buddy, he's going to be bald. You know what I have to wonder? What would happen if they had to wrestle us in the Omni in Atlanta? Or what about the Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis? What if they wrestled us in Dixie, huh?
4: We're beating your brains out right here in your home. Now, yeah, one thing though that is interesting in this, there was a little bit of interference on your yeah, part. Yeah, Kevin Von Erich, I was just about to say that. Now, that you Kevin, no, doing?
5: no, you saw the referee. I didn't step in. He pulled me up. If he'd have kept his mind on the man that was beating him, he might have had a better chance. Ain't that right? right. There's no doubt about that. He shouldn't be
6: sticking his nose where it don't belong, Mercer, into my business. Nobody sticks their nose into the big daddy's business you know what i'm talking about and especially i'm talking about especially no don't break away i'm talking right now right. i'm talking about them Erics they don't stick their nose in the free birds business if you know what i'm talking right, now,
4: about i've got you two right here let's talk about the international star wars the american tag team championships on the line but you've got Carrie von eric and bruiser brody now i know you were upset about that about brody man I do not understand why he's selling out.
5: Selling out? What do yeah, you mean? He's selling out on us, man. He ain't got no business sticking his nose in there. Well, maybe but he's a he friend of Kerry. he's bad, he'd come against him, brother, because he'll keep Brody out of my way, and we know what I can do to Carrie one-on-one. But as far as Iceman, yeah. he's going to be bald.
4: Hey, okay, let's talk, be, talk about this green now. See you hey. or he are going to lose your hair. Hey, he! cream, right? No shaving. A...
5: No, this stuff, once it is applied to the hair, it comes off very, very quickly. Right here we showed two weeks ago how fast the hair is still up. Man's hair is coming off. He's been sticking his nose in the Freebird's business too long. And I want to say, I am proud and my partners are proud to be world-class wrestlers, all world-class championship wrestling, going worldwide, and being the world's 6 bag tag team champions. There's nothing else that I can possibly say. He gave it a good try. <laughs> he gave me they Hey, they're great wrestlers. They're just not as good as us because you're looking
4: at the world champions all across the world. Well, thank you, Michael. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, buddy. International Star Wars Reunion Arena in Dallas, the American Tag Team Championship. And that's going to be Brody and Kerry against this uh, Freebird group.
1: And we all know what I can do to carry one-on-one. Michael Hayes was a heat machine. Let me give you guys a little bit of background on what was coming into the, uh, (coughs) excuse me, the Buddy Roberts versus Iceman Parsons hair match. We all know Iceman had a really kind of radical hairstyle for 1983. I thought it was really cool. And because the Freebirds are uh heels and heels are bully they just cut a strand of iceman parsons hair iceman retaliates by cutting some of buddy's hair and we have the hair versus hair match coming up brandon any thoughts from you on this general scenario
3: I just wonder, you know, even though how close Texas was to Louisiana, if any of the fans there were aware of the whole deal with Jyd, you know, three years previous. So this is kind of the second second time they they trotted this thing out, and it it, it got over and and worked. I don't did they? I guess they tried sort of tried again in Georgia against Dog, but that it wasn't a huge. You know, huge angle. Um, so they kind of kept it in the dustbin for a little bit. And I, you know, I, the fans responded well, I thought.
1: I mean, more of Michael Hayes just being a great heel. They got that hair cream because they were doing an angle in Mid-South where Ken Mantell was cutting everyone's hair. He cut Paul Orndorff's hair, and then Paul Orndorff comes out with this hair cream that he's going to take, uh, take off Ken Mantell's hair. And then Michael Hayes borrows the hair cream from Paul Orndorff's gym bag. I mean, he borrows it. it. It was so perfect. Steve, your thoughts on the whole thing?
2: Well, I watched uh, the match, and uh, you know, it, it was it was another probably one of the iconic moments of the promotion, as far as just seeing uh, Buddy in the ring uh, losing all his hair and covered up in, in suds and, and <laughs> that material, and and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and Iceman was you know one of those guys who just des- probably deserves more credit than he ever gets. I mean, kind of a journeyman wrestler; he'd been to a lot of different promotions. But uh, you know, definitely unique. Uh, you, you know, good, interesting move set, and uh, somebody that uh, I think is looked upon as kind of a, a forgotten favorite from World Class.
1: He, he kind of was. I mean, and I, I, I really love the the vignettes that they did in World Class, like the one with the freebirds in the pool. When they introduced Ice Man Parsons, they talked about how he got his nickname because he used to deliver ice. Uh, for you know, when people didn't have refrigerators around St. Louis, and his hands were always always cold, so people called him Ice Man. I was like, wow, that that's really cool. I like that. I liked his hair. It was like I said, it was radical for 1983, but I thought it was cool. Um, but anyway, uh, we have a little more audio from the Freebirds. Uh, let's go to let's go to that audio now for review purposes.
4: And our review of the history of that hair match. Here's Mark Lawrence in the Freebirds dressing room.
8: We're here in the locker room with the Freebirds. A wild and uncontrollable situation started out first with words and with scissors and now with this wild cream concoction.
5: Hey, Iceman, he came here to Texas trying to make a reputation on the Freebirds. He made a big mistake. We warned him, keep your nose out of our business, and he did not. This is why we snipped his hair. The scissors are not enough. Now we have the Freebird cream. It is not pharmaceutical it is from a personal friend of ours, and this will remove any hair that's on his head immediately, almost. Put cream on and hair comes off.
8: Let's go back and see how this all started. The Freebirds will view a monitor and give us some comments as we see what happened.
5: Well, look right here. He asked for it. He made his own bed. Then he has to lie. Beautiful, buddy. Look at that. It looks better, Yeah, it looks a lot better. Did him a favor. See, he couldn't appreciate a favor.
8: All right, now let's go back to the other side of the coin and what see you? what happens.
5: Was... I thought that was the only tape we are
8: going to watch. No, there, there's another tape we need to look Wait, at.
5: Wait, what's this? Wait, what's this? Well, What are you showing this for, Lawrence? Hey, Now, this is ridiculous, man. This is humiliating. Why they got to show that again? Hey, the man should have been man enough to accept it when we told him to keep his nose out of our business. What kind of man is this? I'll tell you what, Iceman. I'll tell you what. You think you're Mr. T, don't you? Well, I'll tell you what. After a match and the reunion, your name is going to be Mr. B, and that stands for
8: ball. And this cream, not scissors involved. Oh,
5: cream, man. When the cream comes off, the hair comes off, Daddy. So you done made your own bed, and you're going to have to lie in it in front of thousands of people. You're going to walk out bald, boy, and have nobody to blame but yourself.
8: A situation that's just a little bit scary. But well, the outcome of it will be coming out right here very soon.
1: Now, by this point, I, I had just started getting world-class wrestling, and I had no idea that they were going to actually air this over the next couple of weeks. I mean, I, I was dying to to watch this, and I finally got to watch it. I think that's what separates world-class, made it such a great promotion when it was firing on all cylinders the way it was in, in 1983. I mean, uh, Brandon, you were watching it as it happened. I mean, you must have been going crazy looking forward to this.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, especially uh, these two shows in particular, uh, because watching Georgia, you would have killed to see an Omni show, you know, if they would have done that, you know, over two weeks. So it was a real treat for me. And, you know, when I moved to Dallas, one thing that I realized, the Sportatorium was really close to Reunion Arena, Kind of a crappy part of town, but the Lustera Jail was right near. There's you know a bunch of strip clubs and then this gas station that had the best tacos. I don't know why I needed to bring that up, but um, <laughs> if you're ever in Dallas, stop at that station. But then there was Interstate Thirty and just all the giant columns that held up the the highway were basically what separated the Sportatorium from from Reunion Arena. So. I was I was shocked that they were that close to each other. But yeah, I mean, seeing this stuff was was a super huge treat for for me at at that age, especially.
1: I mean, I remember, you know, they would have advertisements for the show uh, shows coming up and from the Boston Garden. I wasn't old enough to go yet. And I finally started getting to go and, you know, wow, okay, this is everything I missed out on. And then I get the the WWF on Channel 9, and they'd be talking about the Madison Square Garden shows. I'd be like, oh man, I'd love to see those. Well, guess what? Eventually, I get to see pretty much all of them or close to all of them. I'm, a- I'm going to take a question from the Facebook group from Nolan Lake. Uh, if Jim Garvin is brought in as a free bird, In this era, as opposed to later, whose trajectory changes the most, the Garvin or the birds I might have been more acceptable of the WCW Freebirds if Garvin had been established with the original. Steve, any thoughts on that?
2: No, I, I think he's got a point there. I, I think uh, I think the average WCW fan looks looks at Jimmy Garvin joining the Freebirds as kind of this last ditch effort to uh, keep them alive, and and I think that they'd already really jumped the shark a few years earlier. So uh, had he been brought in, say in '84, uh, I think it would have probably helped both of their acts. I think Jimmy Garvin, I mean, I know he was really over it this time, but to me, he was just like your chicken shit heel type of a guy. I really didn't like him with his uh, girlfriend or valet, but, uh, but you know, yeah, I'm probably the minority in that.
3: Any thoughts from you, Brandon? I, yeah, it would have helped for sure. Um, you know, I was never a huge Garvin fan. I This was the my first time seeing him. And, you know, I knew he was a heel from earlier when he was just the manager of Ron and um, Terry. his partner, whoever it was. Yeah. Um, so and then he was a face in Florida and I didn't get to see him. But, you know, I thought, OK, you know, he's a he's a white meat baby face. I'm sure if he came on one of the shows I, I watch, I'd I'd probably like him. But I liked him here with uh, Precious, and um, I think it would have would definitely helped later on had he been established with them. And the whole feud with with uh, David was great. The whole valet for the day and and the ranch and stuff was <laughs> was classic.
1: It really was. They were doing things that that no other promotion did, and then every other promotion copied them. My take on Nolan's question, the Freebirds, like Buddy and Terry and Michael, they, they referred to themselves as brothers. And to me, even in World Class, Jimmy Garvin was kind of a cousin because they were always closely associated in World Class. I, I guess they got along really well in real life, and you know, I I, I'm, I think David Von Erich was the one who recommended Jimmy Garvin coming in uh, because he and uh, and David and Jimmy were in Florida at the same time. So I I thought you know right. I, I kind of accepted it in in you know the NWA, except you know, like I said. I, I was a fan of Jimmy Garvin. I liked him, but there's no one can tell me he's not a downgrade from Jerry Gordy. I mean, come on.
3: No, definitely. And I, as as old as Buddy was at the time, he was just perfect with him because he could take all the huge bumps and, um, you know, <laughs> take a pin where Gordy and Hayes might not do it and, and not really hurt him at all so to me he was just he was perfect even though he was kind of a nondescript guy but he'd been around so long and had so much experience he he knew what to do and when to do it and why to do it
1: you know I looked up how old Buddy was during this time he was 35 years old I couldn't believe he was that young because he had been in the business so long as as you had mentioned and once again he you know, he, once the the uh, Hollywood Blondes petered out, his uh, tag team with Jerry Brown, it was like he was going nowhere. He tried to be Dale Valentine, Johnny Valentine's nephew or whatever, in Dallas. Not too not too many years beforehand, and that kind of flopped. Right. Until you know, he was in mid South as just another guy when Michael Hayes got hurt, and I I, I don't know if he got hurt. I, I was I was understanding for a long time that he was having back issues for real, and then Bill Watts said, "No, I just wanted him to be a manager." And they put him, Buddy Roberts, in the Freebirds, and you know that's how the whole thing was born. But I, I, like I said, I was amazed how how young Buddy was. Now, before we get to the card, I've got two more interviews I'd like to share with you. Once again, uh, for educational purposes, the Freebirds, Buddy Roberts and Michael Hayes. Earlier this evening.
4: Mark Lorenz talk with bruiser Brody
8: Mark Lorenz with you in the locker room now with Bruiser Brody, the big American bout coming up you 've come all the way from Japan for this. It must mean a lot
0: you know mark i 've been away from uh, Dallas here in the state of Texas for a long time, at least in body i 've been away, but you know when you 're in any business, I guess you make a few good friends and when I heard Kerry Von Erich, he called me on the phone in Japan. When I heard that he actually was inviting me to come over and help settle something that he got involved in with the Freebirds, and then I hear that the Freebirds say, Bruiser Brody, everybody knows him. He's not a man of his word. Everybody, everybody everywhere knows that. Yeah, they came out and said you wouldn't show up. He's not coming. You know... uh, you sort of, you you know you have to go somewhere sometime. And I knew that when Kerry Von Airy called me and said he needed help, the only thing that went through my mind was three years ago when I was hurt myself. The guy was right there in the ring with me. There was never, I mean never, a doubt in my mind that I would be in Dallas, Texas, in the reunion arena fighting against the Freebirds for the American Heavyweight Championship belts. There was never a doubt in my mind. And there was never a doubt in Kerry Von Erich's mind. And there was never a doubt in any wrestling fan's mind across the whole country. Only in the Freebirds' mind was there a doubt, a hope.
8: All right, that's Bruiser Brody. He was ready to be here. He is here. And we'll have more wrestling in just a moment.
1: Okay, sorry about that, everyone. Obviously, that was not the Freebirds, but I wanted to get in the line that uh, Michael Hayes, the last time they talked and they were on screen, Michael Hayes and Buddy Roberts looked like they just walked out of a Chess King. About 15% of the audience is going to get that one, but (laughs) you you will appreciate it. Bruiser Brody Steve, I always thought he was a really underrated interview, and I thought that that was a great interview.
2: Yeah, but between what he said and, and even what Mark Lawrence did in that interview, I mean, the way he, you know, introduced the interview, I mean, you could really kind of suspend disbelief and really believe that this was something really happening, and almost in a sports-like manner, because they're acknowledging he's a big star in Japan, he's coming back. To team up with this really well-known star, the really this top star of the promotion, and uh, you know the Freebirds are, are super hated by the fans watching. So I mean, this is like uh, kind of like their version of WrestleMania a couple of years early. So I can see why the fans are really pumped to see this kind of a unique match.
1: I mean, yeah, I mean, and here's the thing: in 1983, when they said Bruiser Brody is going to come in and help carry Von Erich. I was like Bruiser Brody's going to turn on Kerry Von Erich. You watch. And then he did that interview and I was like, no, oh, I'm not as confident anymore. <laughs> um I mean, any thoughts uh, any thoughts Brandon on, you know, Bruiser Brody his whole role his whole role
3: in World Class? I, you know i had watched him in st louis a lot oh, so i choice. had seen the tamed down uh, sort of brody before so it wasn't as shocking to me but um i'm actually watching this interview somehow it queued up as i'm watching the shows as we're doing this and he's just so much calmer than the normal but like i said in in st louis he, he was like that and steve had Mentioned the, the sporting aspect of it, and that's what was so great about St. Louis. And he, you know, World Class did it at times too. Just uh, Sam was almost did wrestling like uh, baseball playoffs, and and the wins and losses really mattered. And um, so, yeah, I I love this this Brody, you know, more than even even the the Wild Man. So um, I, th- I thought it was really effective.
1: I, you know, we did uh, a 1983 award show uh, about a month ago with Jim Valley, and I gave, I said match of the year was the Von Erichs against the Freebirds, uh July 4th, 1983, and I'm taking that back. I recently re-watched Ric Flair versus Bruiser Brody from St. Louis, I think it was February 11th, 1983. Ladies and gentlemen, seek this match out. It goes almost an hour, and it, it's just incredible action. That is now my pick for 1983 match of the year, and I mean probably top ten of the decade. Steve, have you seen this?
2: Oh yeah, a- actually, it was on um, um, that that show that you were just re- referencing when we were talking about 1983. Uh, we did, um, I did reference that match from St. Louis, just saying it was really long, but it it was really a showcase for Bruiser Brody. I mean, everybody knows how good Flair is, but. Bruiser Brody, this giant of a man, uh, could last that long, like you say, 55 minutes, uh, like a, almost like an hour draw, but just outstanding work. Uh, and, and it was a match that really held up over time. I mean, the, it, it was as exciting as any of today's matches that are filled with – Crazy high spots and lots of uh, fake endings, fake finishes.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I hadn't seen the match in like uh, twenty or twenty-five years, so I had forgotten how good it was. But yeah, now that has moved up the charts all the way to my number one match of 1983. And then, listeners, if you have not seen that match, seek it out. It is that good. All right, now we're going to get to the actual show. We're going to discuss this. A couple of matches were not televised. Uh, One was Kenichiro Tenru defeating. johnny mantel then we have a women's match vicky carranza defeats lola gonzalez and then we get to the televised part first matchup is a six-man tag jose Lothario, chris adams and chavo guerrero against the Fishman, the mongol and wild bill irwin uh brandon what were your thoughts on this match
3: you know, I just watched this right before we started to do this and it was a fairly entertaining match. Um Fishman was sort of out of place. He was so much smaller than everybody else. He was out of water, but, is what you're but uh he, <laughs> he, he Yeah, fish out of water. But he was really jacked, but just smaller in, in stature. And you know Lothario, I, I know at one time he and he was still huge in Texas. Um, the Adams was pretty good, and then uh, you know the Mongol, I guess was I think it was Gene Lewis, it was. and he could do a lot more in in the ring than than he did in this uh, this gimmick. But it you know it, it was just exciting at the time to see you know a, a huge match like that from a. Sold out, sold out arena. It wasn't wasn't a TV, you know, studio or or even the sportatorium for that matter.
1: You know, it's funny you, you brought up Fishman. I mean, I have like three notes on this match, and one of them simply says Fishman is great. And you're right, he's a little bit small, but I was like, wow, you know, no one can, no one watched this match and says, you know what, I'm going to use this Fishman guy. I, I thought he was fantastic, and like you said, he was a little bit small, but he was jacked up. Jose Lothario he reminds me, he's got to be the world-class edition of Dominic DiNucci. I mean, Dominic DiNucci was a far bigger deal in the 60s and 70s, just like Jose Lothario, and he's kind of got that, you know, older basketball player at the end of the bench thing going on. Uh, I mean, he's still all right, but I mean, at, at this point, you know, he, he's near the end of his career. Like I said, I think, I think the DiNucci, uh comparison is a decent one. Steve, what do you think?
2: Well, he, uh, Jose Lothario had really fast hands and his punches were really pretty good. And, and, uh, like Brandon had mentioned, I mean, this is a guy who is really revered in that area. He was a, a local legend there. And, uh, you know, for me, I'm and in I'm, Houston and in Houston. Oh, definitely. Um, for me, I'm a big fan of Chavo senior. He's a, he's a guy that has so much talent and I think he is his career is one that I, I think was always overlooked. So uh, he stands out to me, you know, didn't do anything special in this match, but I thought, I thought Mongol was the only one who was kind of like, didn't fit into this match. Uh, Everybody else really seemed to have a spot or two in the match.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I thought it was a good match, a good opener. And Chris Adams, I really wonder, you see him in this match. And Brandon, I got to wonder, like, did they know what they were? Did they know what they had in Chris Adams? Or or were they just kind of like, okay, we brought this guy in from Portland. Let's see what we got. And it felt like they were still kind of feeling it out. Like, what are we going to do something with this guy?
3: I think that's a really good point because um, he's just kind of stuffed in there when he could have easily had a singles match um, somewhere on, on the card. And um, I think you're right, they were probably just seeing seeing what he would eventually do because as we know, he definitely worked his worked his way up the the cards and unfortunately, I guess the alcohol, kind of got a hold of him, you know, at one point that it, it's funny. I met him one time, I think it must've been about 2000 and it was in a bar in Dallas and he was drinking, but he was, he was super nice to me, um, but, you, you know, I, he had no reason to be angry. But, yeah, I liked the guy, and I think you're right. And, you, you know, Steve mentioned Chavo, too, not doing much in that match. I wonder if maybe he was injured or something because um, him and him and Fishman could have had some really cool spots and uh, points in that match. True.
1: Agreed. I mean, I, I will always say that the Guerrero's should have been one of the top teams in either the you know WWF or the NWA in the mid '80s. Uh, and you're right, Chris Adams. You know, he's kind of the only guy on his way up here. I mean, Fishman obviously is just making a special appearance. Mongol wasn't going to be around much longer. while Bill Irwin was on his way to Georgia. Uh, Chavo Guerrero. I, I don't remember offhand where he went right after this, but he wasn't with World Class much longer. So you know, Chris Adams was you know the one guy who was going to wind up getting pushed now we have david von Erich against jimmy garvin for the held up texas championship i thought you know one thing i didn't appreciate enough back in the day was how good sunshine was especially considering that this was her first foray into the business she's been in the business maybe four or five months if that Um, i thought this was a really good match steve what are your thoughts
2: I thought um David von David Von Erich had a uh a great uh, kind of a Friday night lights uh, local appeal. And I think that a lot of the uh, middle-aged frustrated women in the audience that were uh, tired of watching Dallas and dynasty, I think they were really, uh, these women were getting off on seeing these young athletes in their twenties. And you hear a lot of the young girls, you know, swoon and cheer. But uh, when I looked in the audience, I see a lot of these old dames in their forties and fifties. So,
1: (laughs) yeah, I I mean, you, you know, This world class started when I was a senior in high school, and suddenly we had some girls in the classrooms who were watching wrestling. And then there's no question because they were watching Carrie and Kevin. Now, one thing I didn't like about this match is that the Texas title had been held up three times. Jimmy Garvin wins the match and they reversed the decision again. The title is held up for a fourth time. And I just kind of had a rollie eyes reaction to it. I'm like, "Okay, this was the big show that, you know, the this issue was supposed to be settled, but once again it's not settled." Brandon, any thoughts on that and the match itself?
3: Yeah, I mean, I thought the match was fine. I mean, both guys were were you know, smooth. And, you know, once again, you know, I saw the Von Erickson in in St. Louis, so I saw him get over elsewhere. And that was, you know, there was really two disparate Different crowds of, of people and and they all worked on top in in St. Louis and and did main events and and drew fans. So, um, I you know I liked uh, I liked the match, but like you said, the uh, holding it up that many times uh, that was a little much. But I was surprised that the you know that it it turned out the way that it did with because uh, Garvin won the belt here, didn't he?
1: He had first won the belt and then they, then the, they had NWA f- officials at ringside who, uh, That's right. You know, told them that, you know, uh, Jimmy Garvin cheated and that they held up the title once again. And to me, that's a a good way to get people to not care about a title. But I really liked the Texas championship. It was kind of, Steve, I thought it was kind of like, you know, the American championship was the equivalent of kind of the equivalent of the WWF championship. And the Texas championship was like the Intercontinental championship. I thought it was a good thing.
2: Yeah, I know. I know you have a favoritism toward these kind of like regional titles with a name, like a state name, in there. I do. That that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, I remember when mid.
3: Well, they were so huge, and I liked them too. I mean, just I guess from watching in Georgia and you know Florida and all that stuff, and um, the Missouri title was so gigantic as well. So I'm I'm kind of in the same same boat, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely like the secondary titles. I remember when Mid South had a Louisiana State Championship and a Mississippi State Championship, and then Bill Watts gets on TV and says, "Like, okay, we're we're now pr- having shows in Arkansas and Oklahoma and other places, and we can't have five state titles, so we're getting rid of these too." And I was like, "I just love that that breath of fresh air, honesty ever from odor."
3: Yeah. Yeah, and Watts was so logical, so that made total sense for him. It's like if if it wasn't going to be logical, he he wasn't going to do it.
1: Uh, Exactly. Bill Watts, you know, a lot of people don't have good things to say about Bill Watts, and some people praise him, and both things can be true. You know, he can be, uh, you know, but, I mean, his wrestling product was second to none. Anyway, and we have Mid-South guys coming in for this show,
3: but. And that's it for this week. But tune in next week as John, Steve, and Brandon continue their discussion of the 1983 International Star Wars event in world-class championship wrestling. Stick to Wrestling with John McAdam is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. I'm your producer, Lou Kippelman, and this concludes our podcast day.